Welcome back to the AGD podcast series. I'm Dr. Wes Blakesley, and I'll be your host today. Oral cancer cases continue to rise. A recent statistic revealed that tongue cancers among, among young women are up 111%. This should add to our motivation to perform an oral cancer screening exam, and by that I mean a visual and digital exam, on our patients at their hygiene visits every time. Today, we're gonna to speak with my patient and friend, Gloria Cancellari, in whom we identified in oral cancer two years ago. Good morning, Gloria. It's good to have you with us. Good morning, Wes. Good to see you. Uh, before we begin, Gloria, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm retired now, but I was a nurse for 22 years in RN. And then at age 40, I uh, started a small, I started a janitorial and cleaning service. And then I sold it. And then uh, right now I'm just retired. Which is a great way to be. Yes. And where, and where I hope to be one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> but not now, but not yet. So let's go back to September 2020. You're in with our hygienist, Sharon Burns, and she's performing an oral cancer exam. Take it from there. I went in to see Sharon to get my teeth clean. She's doing the exam and she detect, detected a lump. And she said, let me call in Wes. You came in. You palpated the area and looked at it and said, you know, we should get a consult. And at that time you ordered a consult and I called Dr. Higgy and I had went to see him on November 2nd. Um, at that time he did a biopsy and I was waiting for the report, but it was COVID time. So when I went to get my sutures removed 10 days later, the report still didn't come in. So of course I'm thinking everything's A-OK. -okay. And then November 30th, the telephone rings and it's the doctor saying it's adenoid cystic carcinoma. And he told me I must be seen immediately because it's rare and it's unpredictable and relentless and it's considered a high grade cancer. And of course I was a nervous wreck when I heard that. And of course I called you. <laughs> And then at that time, he said, I asked him, where do I go? And he said, it's really difficult to find a physician with knowledge and experience with ACC. And he told me I can either go to Philly or New York. And at that time, I said, New York. And he made a referral for me to go to Mount Sinai to see Dr. Mark Erkin at Mount Sinai on December 20th. And then I went to see Dr. Erkin on December 20th and I saw him and he told me that 58% of ACC is the primary tumors occur in the oral cavity. And he said to me, thank goodness, I went to a good dentist and hygienist because most of the time it's not identified, but it was this time, thank God. Uh, I asked him, being a former smoker, did this occur from smoking? He said, no, it doesn't, it doesn't happen with smoking. So it's a rare cancer. I'm just gonna go back a couple steps. So I remember when Sharon called me in to examine you, she felt something that was unusual. And I will tell you as a practicing dentist for 42 years that we feel a lot of little lumps and bumps in our patients. And especially just behind the corner of the mouth, Mostly they're fibrous type of, uh, of nodules, 
cheek biting, injuries, and so on. This one didn't feel right. It was very, very hard. And when I palpated it, the best way I can describe it, it felt like a BB. It was rock hard and I couldn't get it to move in the soft tissue. And that's when the red flag went up for us. So appropriately, uh, we made the referral to Dr. Gigi, our oral surgeon, who's also an MD, he's dual degreed. And uh, I'm just wondering when you walked in there, because we talked about the fact that, you know, this could be nothing. It could just be a benign fibrous lesion, but you're sitting in his office waiting for a biopsy. What were you thinking when you're in his chair? Well, I was scared to death, Dr. West, because two years prior to that, I had ductal carcinoma of the breast and I went through the cancer there and I'm thinking, oh my God, I hope it's not cancer. It's probably just a salivary gland and everything's going to be a-okay. That's what I was hoping for. So I was a nervous wreck when he took the biopsy, but he was very reassuring that everything will be all right. And then I waited and waited and, uh, then I got the call <laughs> and then I was I, shocked. <laughs> I've gotten one of those calls in my lifetime too. And I can tell you when I got my cancer diagnosis, my knees buckled and I uh -huh. had to go outside on my porch. It was Christmas Eve of all times. So I wouldn't pass out in front of my family. Right. So tell me how you felt when you got that call. Scared. Frightened, very frightened and saying, what do I do? And my husband kept on saying, you'll get through this. You've been through other things. We'll get through this. Thank God it was picked up quickly. It wasn't picked up three months before I went to get my teeth cleaned. It happened in a three month period. And knowing that it made me feel assured that things would turn out okay because it wasn't advanced. Because it could spread to 38 different organs. Yeah, early diagnosis is the key which is why right. we keep talking about doing an oral cancer exam on every visit, at every visit, on every patient, even young patients, because the, the uh, rate of oral cancer among young people is on the rise. So we have to be cognizant of that fact that, you know, when I graduated from dental school in 1979, oral cancer was believed to be a disease of who? Older men who were heavy smokers, and heavy drinkers. Well, when I served in the Navy as a dental officer, my first year we treated retired sailors, Marines, Army folks, uh, mostly men. And guess what? We didn't see one oral cancer in that population. Uh, so now we're seeing a lot of cancers in younger people and there are reasons for that. I wanna go back and talk about the battery of diagnostic tests because after you met with Dr. Erkin at Mount Sinai, you had to go through the perfunctory testing. And I want you to tell us a little bit about what that was, what it felt like, and what you learned. Okay, the first test, they ordered an MRI of the neck and I went for the MRI. Then they ordered a CAT scan with and without contrast of the lung. And then I had to go for medical clearance before I was going in for surgery. Then I had to go to pulmonary, my pulmonary doctor for pulmonary clearance, the cardiologist for Cardi, cardi, you know, cardiologist. And then I went to you um, to have my teeth cleaned and start with fluoride, you know, because they did say with the radiation, there's so many changes with your teeth, but thank God my teeth were in pretty good condition. So I didn't have to worry about all the radio, with all the radiation I was expected to get. But I was a wreck. 
and it was time consuming, but I did what I had to do to get through this because I knew I had to do this because I didn't want it to metastasize to the lymph nodes or to the brain or to anywhere in my body. So I had to work fast. You had to work fast. And I remember that. I remember yeah. that like it was this year. But you had a little speed bump, didn't you, when you had your diagnostic testing? They found something that was unexpected. So tell us yeah. about that. Okay. When it came back for the CAT scan of the lung, they found a little nodular. So they said they were just going to follow that, which they did. And then what happened with that in July, after you know my surgery and everything, they did a PET scan and they decided they would follow up with another CAT scan. So they did a CAT scan in July and it came back with squamous cell carcinoma, which was not related to uh, ACC. It was probably just related to being a smoker in the past or from something else, but they were able to detect that and they did cyber knife um, on me with radiation. Okay, and that's fine. That's fine so far. <laughs> okay, we'll take that off the table right now. Okay. So December, you go through all these tests. I know it's daunting, oh. especially emotionally. It's it's daunting to go through these tests, and you're it's like you're sitting on an egg the whole time. So now a month later, January fourteenth, two thousand twenty-one, to be exact, yes. you're scheduled for surgery. Tell yes. us what your thoughts are. Oh, I have to go into New York. <laughs> <laughs> And we have to get a room and it's cold and it's COVID time and all the precautions that we have to take. And I was nervous, but I felt confident with this oral, this doctor, Dr. Erkin. And uh, he did explain to me that they were going to do an incision on the corner of my lip down to my chin, but that's what he told me. So I went in for the surgery and when I came out, I realized that they had to do a complete excision of lesion of the mucosa and submucosa and vestibule of the mouth with excision of underlying muscle transfer of an adjacent tissue for repair of the cheek. So they did a lot of surgery. I was up there for five hours. And when I came out, um, there was a lot of sutures on the outer part of my face. My mouth had a lot of sutures in it and I was in pain. And being a woman, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I wonder how I'm gonna look cosmetically. So of course, the first thing I ask him, do I see a plastic surgeon? <laughs> and he said, let's just get through this. I don't think you need one, <laughs> which really how it heals. It looks really good. I let my hair grow so I could cover the scar, but there's really, you can't even notice it. No, I can't. I know, thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> how I feel? Relieved that it was over, you know, and happy to be home, but in pain. So would it be, would it be accurate to say that the surgery was really uh, quite a bit more than you expected? Yes, I didn't expect to be up there for five hours. Right. So they made, uh, just for the audience, they made intraoral and extraoral incisions. So they yeah. basically accessed and, and attacked this nodule, this, this malignant tumor, Right. Outside the mouth and inside the mouth. Correct. And then they had to move some muscle tissue over to reconstruct the deficits uh, in your cheeks so that you wouldn't look sunken in. That's my understanding. Yes. Okay. All right. That's a tough surgery. 
I would think there were three different doctors up there, they said. Yeah, yeah, five hours is a long time. So anyway, there's some good news here, right? There's always good news. You're spared chemotherapy, which everyone doesn't want. Uh, but radiation started March 1st. Yes. Share some details about radiation therapy, especially about the dreaded mask. Okay, the radiation started and I had to be seen in February. Matter of fact, it was February 17th, the oncologist, radiologist, to get my mask made, which went from my head to my shoulders, over my entire face, mouth. It was like a mesh net, net mask. And they had clamps on the side. And when you were lying down to get your radiation treatment, they would clamp you down. And it was painful. It was very painful. I was able to do it from three, one, I started the radiation it was for eight weeks. I, I, I was a trooper in the beginning at the end, I didn't want to do it anymore. And that's when I spoke with the oncologist, radio radiologist, I said, I can't do it. It's too painful. So they opened the piece up around my mouth. So it wasn't so much pressure and they released some of the, tension on the clamps on the side and they did give me four days off because I had bleeding in the mouth and on the lips from the radiation uh, but we made it through but it was difficult because from the time of surgery till radiation being done in April 14th I wasn't able to really brush my teeth well I couldn't even get a toothbrush in my mouth I had a stick with a sponge on it and I couldn't use toothpaste because it was too painful. So I had to do this baking soda mouth rinse, which was salt, baking soda and water. And I had to swish and spit every hour. And then um, they told me that I can't lose any weight. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise I'd be getting a feeding tube. So I had to be on a soft, I gained 10 pounds because I didn't want a feeding tube. So I was able to uh, eat like soft food, like custard, um, ice cream, milkshakes, jello, mashed potatoes, scrambled eggs, pudding, creamy soup, and hummus. So that was my diet, <laughs> a lot of ice cream. <laughs> a lot of ice cream. And again, how long were you on that diet? When, did you, when could you wean off that and start regular food? Probably after my mouth healed after the radiation, probably two days after the radiation, I started like, you know, smashing salmon and fish, you know, some consistency, but soft food, pasta, but no sauce. And no, it, sauce. So, no, anything that was spicy really irritated my mouth. Okay. You can get uh, <laughs> so, you know, most... <laughs> Most people don't understand really the ramifications of a feeding tube. It's also known as a peg in the nursing uh, field. My daughter's a nurse. Uh, that's a lot more serious than most of us realize. Uh, my sister was on one late in life, which was very ill. And uh, it, it's just something that we all wanna stay away from because when you're, when you're taking nourishment with a feeding tube, it's a long time. And, uh, and obviously you're not eating, you're not taking food in by mouth. And it's a, it's a very, very difficult adjustment. So I'm very happy for you 
that you didn't go down that pathway, that you stayed away from that. That was very important. Uh, tell us about going through all of this during COVID. I can't imagine. Maybe you can share a couple of thoughts about trying to make your appointments, be on time, get treated in the middle of a pandemic. It was difficult. But the only good point was the mask because I could cover my face and no one could see the scar <laughs> cosmetically. But watched a lot of TV, relaxed a lot because radiation does make you tired. It made me tired. And I had eight weeks of it. And it was powerful, I think, the radiation. You know, to the face, they said radiation to the face and neck is the worst. So with COVID though, I was, I got through it, you know, watch TV, stayed in, stayed away from people. I didn't want any problems or complications with all this going on. So I was a very good patient. Well, you are a very good patient. I can <laughs> attest to that fact. <laughs> and I think to your credit, you've always done everything we've asked you to do. And you're very, very uh, spot on with your, uh, your hygiene visits and so on. Uh, so you're a very, very, uh, in addition to being a lovely person, you're a very compliant patient. And I think hopefully that led to the success of your treatment and your recovery afterwards. Uh, any words of wisdom to anyone listening in, having gone through the diagnosis, the treatment, the radiation therapy, all the problems of recovery, eating, uh, losing weight, gaining weight, any words of wisdom to share? I just pray that every patient is going to the right dentist with the right hygienist to have this done and have their mouth checked. Because speaking to so many of my friends, they said, my, doc my doctor doesn't do that, or I haven't had a check. And I'm saying, wow, thank God I went to you. And this was part of your normal procedure at your office. But anyone who has this, and if it's caught early, you'll be fine. You get through it and you'll, you'll be able to get through it. You know, you have to go through the, they don't, chemo is not suggested, thank goodness. The radiation, you make friends at, at the department with other women in there. And it becomes part of a routine. Eight weeks is a long time, every day, five days a week, but you just adjust and you make it happen. And I was lucky being a senior, you know, they took me late. I didn't have to come in real early, which I was happy because they take all the patients that at work early in the morning. So they put me in the afternoon, which I didn't mind. And um, I was happy that it was over and I'm happy I'm just moving on with life now, but constantly being checked every six months by all these different doctors to make sure that it doesn't spread anywhere else. Because I heard it can go to 38 different spots. Yes, it does. And I've seen that. And I'm so happy that you're on a good recovery. Uh, it might warm your heart to know that the Academy of General Dentistry, uh, we do have a foundation that's dedicated to oral cancer research, education, and so on. So we're very, very invested in that. And uh, part of my role as a podcast host every April is trying to introduce our members to a different story about oral cancer and give them more information so that they can take this back to their teams and be very vigilant about doing their exams, especially on younger people, as I mentioned before. Uh, we really can't limit our exams to one class of people or to one sex or another. Everyone has to be considered 
high risk. And that I would say even would begin with uh, patients in their uh, possibly late teens to early 20s. It's not unheard of to find oral cancer in younger people. And these are related to the human papillomavirus and most typically strain 16. So for the folks listening in, every patient, every visit, every time. Uh, Gordy, thank you so much for sharing. I know this is difficult recounting things that, that you go through that were, that were painful, that were emotionally devastating, but you are a trooper and I so respect, I love you as my friend, but I so respect you uh, for your attitude going through this all the way. And then for coming on the podcast and sharing this with thousands of dentists across the country. And I will tell you, this leaks out and it goes around the world. We have international listeners. And uh, so from me to you, a big hug and a thanks for coming on the podcast today. And me to you, a big, big hug. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> thanks, Gordon. Enjoy your day. Okay, you too now. Bye, Bye everyone.
Now I know that you lecture and do webinars and so on. So for the members uh, and groups listening in, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, I have my uh, I have my Gmail. If they have questions, it's um, it's John Molinari PhD at gmail.com. All right, that sounds great. So my very very last question is, John, can we do another one of these? <laughs> I would love to. I would love to do a webinar if I could, because then I could show you. Uh, specific uh, slides and stuff, or I could show them specific slides and, and, and actually spend some time developing some of these. I mean, it could be on vaccines or it could be on COVID. I mean, it could be on a number of things, uh, whatever the time frame you all have uh, to, to allow me to do it. It'd be my, my pleasure. All right, uh, sir, I will work on that. And uh, again, thanks. I really enjoyed this. Oh, me too, Wes. Good talking to you again. Same God here. Bless. Take care.